Hi everyone, welcome to an episode of the Summer Financial Services podcast series by Bird and Bird. I'm Simi Kagram, a trainee currently sitting with the commercial team in our London office. I'll be hosting today's podcast. Today we're recording part one of a two-part podcast on the digital transformation process currently underway in the financial services sector. We will be considering the digital data economy, the impact of COVID-19, and the growing number of regulations in the fintech sector. I have two excellent guests today. I'll be chatting with Giuseppe D'Agostino, co-head of our international finance and financial regulation team based in Italy. Before joining Ben Bird, he worked for the Italian Financial Supervisory Authority, and he brings with him a wealth of regulatory experience. I'm also joined by Christina Fleming. Christina is an associate based in the London commercial team. She specializes in technology transactions and has a particular focus on fintech and the financial services sector. Giuseppe, please could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your experience? Yes, Amy, good morning. Thanks a lot for the invitation. I'm Giuseppe D'Agostino. I'm an expert in financial services economics, specializing in international regulatory standards relating to financial intermediation processes. As you said, before joining Bird & Bird in March last year, I worked for the Italian Financial Supervisory Authority for 30 years. For many years, I've actively participated in the main international regulatory organizations, IOSCO, the European Securities Markets Authority, the EU Joint Committee, SAC Committee on Consumer Protection and Financial Innovation, where I had the opportunity to deal with some odd topics of financial regulation, from crypto asset to blockchain, DLT, initial coin offerings, initial securities offerings, robot device, online financial platform, artificial intelligence, so on. Today, my field of professional interest is dealing with fintech issues, especially understanding the economic effects and legal risks of the digital transformation of the financial system. Thanks, Giuseppe. Christina, would you like to say a bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. And yep, thanks, Simi. Um, as Simi said, I'm an associate in the commercial team here at Bird & Bird, specializing in technology in the financial services sector. My expertise focuses on advising on technology contracts, such as SaaS agreements, software licensing and implementation, as well as payment services, API integration, and also outsourcing. I have a particular interest in innovation and the increasing use of technology in the financial services sector. So this is things such as blockchain, open banking, crypto assets, NFTs, and also payments technology. Thanks, Christina. Let's dive straight into some interesting questions. I'm going to start with data. Data has been the hot topic in almost every area of law for some time now. We all know that data should be carefully collected and protected as per the data regulations, but many companies are now cottoning on to the fact that once collected and collated, the data is itself a valuable resource. Giuseppe, could you explain what the digital data market economy is and its progress in recent years? Yes, of course. The digital economy is essentially based on the acquisition of information and on analytical processes never seen in the past in terms of size, kind and sophistication. We live in a fast-changing landscape, but the behaviors of many economic actors struggle to adapt to reap opportunities at the potential benefits. I mean, we typically see significant changes in the business sector 
over multi-year cycles, and therefore we are accustomed to linear innovations, much less to grasp the leaps and bounds of innovation today. That is to say, the dense sequence of real structural breaks in the way goods and services are produced and marketed is happening before our eyes, and this is radically changing the supply and value chains in any industry. There are a mix of different and concurrent reasons driving change forward. I would say technological innovation, new social behaviors, the spread of information knowledge may be considered to be the driving forces of today's digital revolution of the economy. To be precise, the digitalization economic and social relationships is giving rise to a huge generation, collection, exploitation of personal and personal data on which the new open ecosystem is based. It's a self-feeding mechanism. To be clear, the technical drivers of this digital transformation of the economy can be identified in first data analytics, paving the way for the construction of big data, two, ICT development, enabling multilateral and cross-border digital relations, and three, cryptographic systems designed to protect the digitalization of the economy from illegal attacks. It's interesting to hear that technological innovation and social behaviours are driving digital transformation in the financial services sector. Are there any other factors driving change forward? You know, just as computer hardware and software should maintain the same pace, so too should it also be in the context of the data-driven digital platform economy. In other words, the use of increasingly powerful and flexible infrastructural resources on one end, the growing capacity to search, process, store, and securely transmit information on the other end are two sides of the same coin. Together, they remain at the heart of a future advanced new solution from customer based on personalized inferred data services. Obviously, the problem of information acquisition, quality control, and processing remains central for firms to manage their own market risks and respond to economic uncertainty they face. It's worth pointing out that the online platforms have been developed as information intermediation services with the aim of facilitating communication interaction between buyers and sellers to find solutions to the problem of market information asymmetries that fatally lead to a locative inefficiency. Thanks, Giuseppe. Christina, do you agree with Giuseppe's analysis that new tech, new social behaviours and an increase in online intermediary platforms are currently the key trends in the digital data economy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is actually quite an interesting shift. So as Giuseppe says, online platforms have become a really great medium for facilitating and communicating and also now building relationships. I think it goes without saying perhaps that COVID-19 has certainly accelerated the adoption of digital transformation in financial services, but also perhaps across the board, in part just due to necessity. So as we've been moving in and out of lockdown over the past 18 months, We've all become so used to transacting, communicating, and even socializing digitally. Um, You know, I think we've all done our fair share of Zoom quizzes over the past 18 months. So take, for example, online banking. The use of mobile apps was perhaps seen as a generational thing, um, with banks around the country still relying quite heavily on their branch networks. Um, But now there's been the opportunity for everyone to sort of give online banking a go. Um, And it's the same with the dramatic decrease in the use of cash and the switch to online digital payments. Um, you know, many places in the UK now actually don't accept cash. 
And then, you know, similarly in the asset management sector, it's now commonplace to arrange a Zoom call or a, a chat online with a, with a financial advisor or, or join an online marketing event. Yeah, I completely agree. Like case in point, we're recording this podcast all at home at different locations, which I think would be unheard of prior to the pandemic. Giuseppe, how important are digital platforms in the digital data economy? Yeah, very important. I would add crucial. Digital platforms have become so important as new pivotal market entities that they inspired the coining of the term digital platform economy. To imagine the disruptive impact of this phenomenon on both the digital and offline market economies, we can use the image of traditional postal services versus email services. We have moved away from bilateral economic relationships constrained in space and time to multilateral digital relationships, theoretically without limitations. Indeed, the digital platform economy is a unified transactional space for both commercial and financial services. It means that transaction decisions can now be made by individuals and businesses in decentralized end-to-end way. This is possible thanks to the decrease in information transaction costs due to digital technology. That's why new market models allow companies to offer their product services to many consumers with different preferences, otherwise unreachable with traditional communication tools, and consumers to make selective choices among a wide range of alternatives. That sounds really positive, consumers. Have you seen a similar thing in London, Christina? Yeah, I, I'd certainly agree. I think, you know, take, for example, the asset management space, capturing a millennial client base is becoming increasingly important as a lot of statistics is suggesting that millennials represent a real opportunity for growth. Um, if you take a look at some of these investment products that are targeting millennials, they often include portfolios with technology stocks and lifestyle brands, or sometimes even have an ethical or eco element to the underlying investments. Um, but what's also proving really important is that investment managers have a strong digital or online offering. You know, I don't know about anyone else, but from my perspective, some form of app or online platform, you know, is the kind of only way to go these days. And we've seen this year already some of the big banks buying up some of the smaller robo advisors or online wealth managers. As you know, perhaps previously they were thought of as being you know quite low margins and, and not of particular interest. But I think as those platforms with a strong brand and unloyal customer base have grown, I think it's shown that they're here to stay, and it's perhaps going to drive you know an increasing trend of consolidation in the space. As one of the aforementioned millennials, I'm really excited to sort of reap the benefits user-friendly, personalized investment apps. Hopefully, good user experience will sort of develop naturally as a result of market competition. But presumably, there's some legislation guiding the market here. Uh, Giuseppe, could you touch on what regulations fintech businesses operating in this space have to be aware of? Obviously, the organization and functionality of online platform become issues to be fully considered as they generate significant risks to both consumers' welfare and fair competition for businesses. And this is why the European Commission has proposed the Digital Service Act to ensure consumer confidence in the digital economy. For example, by imposing transparency requirements for online platforms, including on the algorithms used for recommendations. And the Digital Market Act 
introducing rules for gatekeeper platforms to ensure fair and open digital market. Thanks, Giuseppe. Sounds like fintech should follow the progress of the Digital Markets Act closely. What other regulations should fintechs look out for? Um, I think with digitization comes the increased use of cloud services and, and other outsourced third-party providers. And this is something that the regulators have definitely been keeping an eye on in recent years. Um, we already have the EBA outsourcing guidelines. And then in March of this year, the FCA, the PRA and the Bank of England published their long-awaited final rules and guidance on operational resilience. Um, so just as a quick refresher on, on what operational resilience is about, it's essentially the ability of firms and for the financial sector as a whole to prevent, adapt and respond to and recover from operational disruptions. Operational disruption or the unavailability of an important business service is seen to have the potential to cause wide-reaching harm to consumers and market integrity and cause general instability in the financial system as a whole. Um, so this we might have seen over recent years, certain news articles in the press reporting about um, software outages or people unable to get access to the current, their current accounts. So the new operational resilience agenda is focused on protecting the continuity of supply of financial services and products that users rely on most. The guidance adopts a sort of GDPR style outcomes-based approach to regulation which requires firms to identify key business lines. So this is services where disruption could, could cause harm to consumers or market participants or affect financial stability as a whole. Um, they then have to set impact tolerances. So this is thresholds for maximum tolerable disruption or outage duration. There's then a process of mapping. So this is identifying the technologies and processes which are necessary to deliver these key business lines. You then have to scenario test. So test the um, resilience in severe but plausible scenarios, and then also implement an effective um, governance framework, which does include, you know, for example, new board level responsibility for managing operational res resilience. Um, and these new rules are coming into force in um, March of 2022. So there's a bit of time to implement them, but this is the definite sort of flavor of kind of regulation that's, that's, that's coming out from, from regulators um, you know, it, both domestically and in the EU. Um, and it's a kind of, um, you know, reflective of, of the nature of, of everything kind of becoming much more digitized. Thanks, Giuseppe. Christina, sounds like it is worthwhile for fintechs to keep their finger on the pulse of upcoming legislation in the EU and the UK. We've touched on several topics this morning, the growth and drivers of the Digital Market Authority, the importance of digital platforms in the fintech space, the Digital Services Act and the Operational Resilience Guidelines. If you have any specific questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to either Giuseppe or Christina. If you're keen to hear more from them, as I am, then please look out for part two of this podcast. We will be looking at the future of the financial services industry and particularly whether the fintech sector is just for fintech companies. We'll also be looking at whether fintechs are likely to branch out into other sectors.